So I wrote, the title's kind of dumb, and I was trying to not like it. <laughs> because it is. It, it is dumb. skips and we give some minor notes that is kate griffin and that is gabby alvarez welcome if you're new here gabby is a music business professional and i am a songwriter and this entire second season of minor notes is dedicated to the discography of foo fighters yes and today we're going to be discussing the band's ninth studio album concrete and gold and we are joined by a special guest musician and co-host of the Keep It KFAB podcast and the guy who came up with the name for our podcast, Chris Mangan. Hi, Chris. Hi. Hey. I didn't know I was going to get that credential there. You did. Do you remember (laughs) when I texted you? I I remember brainstorming some ideas. Did I suggest it? You absolutely did. Okay. I wish I had kept a list. It would have been good for me to get that. We owe it all to you, Chris. I'll take credit, you know. You totally did. I was like, I need something witty. I need something on the nose. And you sent me like five. And I was like, boom, that's the one. Yeah. You know what? Now that I think about it, I suggested liner notes. Liner notes, right. And then and then I moved to minor notes. Yes. That Very was good. the move. Well done. Right. Yeah. We, well done, We Chris. appreciate it. Yeah. I <laughs> well, mean, we've gotten help. us this far. We're in season two. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, Chris, are you a Foo fan? Did you come to the table as a Foo fan? So I am a Foo fan, um, but I will say this album, for whatever reason, I remember listening to when it came out, um, Wasting Light, Sonic Highways, I don't have too much of an in-depth knowledge of, but Up to Echo, Silence, Patience, and Grace, definitely a Foo fan. That's kind of interesting, actually, because for most people, from what I hear, this is the one where they drop off. Yeah. I don't know why I remember listening to this, and I remember thinking like, "Oh, it's pretty good," and we'll get into it. But I'm I'm sure. But the the listen back when I was getting ready for the pod, I was like, "This is like not a bad album. It's better than I remember it." But um, not to say I didn't like Wasting Light and um, Sonic Highways, but um, you know they were they were okay. We're getting into the latter era of Foo, which for sure. you know things are kind of different, not as good as they once were. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. Um, but this album's pretty good. Is this, is this your favorite Foo album, or...? Oh, no. <laughs> no, um, I mean, There's Nothing Left to Lose is, is my favorite okay. by far. Solid, um, solid. Probably Foo Fighters second. And I might put Echo, Silence, Patience, and Grace third. Okay. Oh. I love that album. I was okay. kind of I was kind of sad that I missed the boat um, on <laughs> reaching out to you, Kate, as being oh. a, a potential guest. <laughs> But it's okay. It's okay. That's okay. We ended up liking well, that for one, this too. One. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you're here for, like I'm glad you're album. actually here for this one because I feel like you have a really good objective way of looking at stuff. And I don't think, I don't know if I do all the time, <laughs> especially now that we're into album nine, <laughs> ten. Neither you nor I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're pretty, yeah. Yeah, we're getting really late in the, in the Foo Fighters game. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, this this one came out in 2017, so this is like, we were adults. Yeah, real ones. Fully fully formed adults. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right, well, Kate, do you have any album history for us? Uh, I do have some interesting uh, album history. All right, so 
Uh, Sonic Highways was the album before this, but before Sonic Highways, Dave heard a song on the radio called Again and Again by a band called The Bird and the Bee, and he w became obsessed with this song. Uh, side note, I listened to this song like today and prep for this. It's basically like an upbeat, dreamy pop song. It has nothing at all that would make me think Foo Fighters rock, alternative rock. Um, so I don't know where I don't know where that draw came okay. from, but we'll leave it at that. So he heard the song. He was obsessed with the song. Uh, a few months after he heard the song, he was in Hawaii and he sees this guy, Greg Kirsten, who is in the band, The Bird and the Bee. Like he recognized him. And so he goes over and he fangirls and he's like, oh, my God, I love your song. I love your music. You're a genius. You know, he does like the whole thing. And they were there for in Hawaii for like the same amount of time. So they're spending every day together talking about music. And Greg reveals to him like, yeah, I'm about to start working with Sia and Adele and Pink. So he's like becoming this like big deal producer. And Dave kind of takes the hint like, oh, you're into like pop stuff. You wouldn't want to work with us, whatever. So they just say goodbye and like it's a good time, whatever. Then Foo Fighters make Sonic Highways. They tour. Uh, this was the tour in 2014 where he broke his leg. Um, so after that tour in early 2016, the band announced that they would be on an indefinite hiatus out of nowhere. And they didn't really explain why. In 2017, Grohl did tell Rolling Stone that he was still struggling from his injury. It was really bad. He had to do like hours of physical therapy every day. He was like hurting. He didn't want to go out and do music again. So he secluded himself from the band and he set a goal for himself to stay away from music for an entire year while he could just get physically better. But... Six months later, he started writing the lyrics to the song Run on this album. So he could not keep himself from doing it. Um, apparently, at some point, he rented an Airbnb in California, and um, he just wrote music. Uh, he's quoted as saying, I brought a case of wine and sat there in my underwear with a microphone for about five days just writing. And after he had about 12 or 13 songs, he went to the band and was like, I think we should do another album. And they started thinking about what producer to work with. And now we go back to that guy, Greg Kirsten, that he had met in Hawaii that he was a big fan of. And at that time, in 2015-16, uh, that's when Sia became really big. That's when Adele's song Hello came out. And Greg is involved with all of that. So he was huge. Dave went to his manager and was like, let's get this guy, Greg. And the manager kind of laughed at him and was like, this guy's super busy. Like, he's not, like, we, he doesn't have time for us. It's not happening. Fast forward, Dave is in Hawaii again, and Greg is there. So he's like, hey, remember me? Does he vacation anywhere else? I was like, where is this? Pl can I go here? Like, where is this place in Hawaii where all the best musician producers are hanging out? So so they go, and he's like, remember me? Like, let's do an album. And Greg is like, sure, no problem. Like, sounds good. So Dave is super excited. He goes to the band. He tells them we're going to work with Greg Person, And the whole band is like, why? Like, he does, <laughs> he does pop. Like, it wasn't well-received. But they were kind of like, okay, like Dave's really into it. I guess we'll do it. So they ended up going to uh, the East West Studio on Sunset Boulevard in Hawaii, uh, in Hawaii, in Hollywood. Um, Frank Sinatra. Everything else is in Hawaii. I know. So. I was yeah. like, might as well. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, Frank Sinatra recorded there. Rolling Stones, ACDC, Beach Boys. It's a very, you know, historic place. And Dave was quoted as saying when they started playing there, the riffs go from heavy to huge. And apparently every single day while they were there recording, some new megastar would go in to record their own stuff. So, like, Lady Gaga was there one day. Jason Bonham was there one day. Um, and there's a couple artists who popped in there who are features on these tracks. 
who didn't get like official credits because they were like, no, nah, this is just a fun project. Don't put my name on it. And when we get to those, I will let you know who they are. That is fun. I can't wait to find out. Yeah. I was like, Gabby's going to be into this. Oh, I love that. <laughs> but that's my history. That's what I got. Okay. Well, let me give you some other history. Cool. The album, it's called Concrete and Gold. We've gotten that far, right? I actually don't even know if we said that. I okay, don't think great. we said it. <laughs> I don't right. think we said it. <laughs> Title of album, Concrete and Gold. Uh, came out September 15th, 2017 on Roswell slash RCA Records. As Kate said, it's the band's first album to be produced alongside Greg Kirsten. And it is described by the band as an album where, quote, hard rock extremes and pop sensibilities collide. Concrete and Gold concerns the future of the United States from the viewpoint of Dave Grohl and the heated atmosphere of the 2016 elections and the presidency of Donald Trump. They are cited as major influences by Grohl and juxtapositions serve a common theme in both the lyrical and musical composition with Dave describing the album's theme as hope and desperation. Mm. So kind of interesting. The album was received positively by music critics who praise it for its music and lyrics and it became the band's second to debut at number one on the Billboard 200 which I'm surprised by. I am so that, shocked by that. That this one debuted so high. Mm. But I don't know if maybe like the hiatus had something to do with it. Maybe. I'm just shocked by that. Yeah. And then they went on to do a headlining tour to promote the album through the second half of 2017. Okay. I did find this quote from Rolling Stone about, um, they asked Dave what his mindset was going into this album. And he said, what's the strangest thing this band can do at this point? just going into a studio and making a fucking album like a normal band. So to Dave, in Dave's mind, the weirdest thing you could have done was just to have like a normal like, album recorded. Just be normal. Be normal. That's really funny. Because the idea of them working with a pop producer is actually incredibly normal. For like yeah. a I mean, rock band. I have so many thoughts on That's been around forever. Okay, but I'm going to wait till we get further down. Let's okay. wait. I have okay, thoughts okay. as well. All right, let's jump in. Track one. It's called T-Shirt. Okay, t-shirt. My initial reaction when this started, I was like, oh no, because I thought we were going acoustic, which I liked when we, it was on Echoes and stuff, but I wasn't ready for it. I was like, I don't know what's happening. Uh, it's super short, only a minute 22, and that way it reminded me of Doll from the second album, that like little tiny, and I think there was another album too where they did that, where they had a very short uh, opening track. I didn't look it up, but they've yeah, done I it before, one, yeah. so I was like, okay. When it kicks in, it sounds massive, and it is super surprising, and I loved it. And I did write down that I wish it was fleshed out to a full song because it's that good, but I actually think it's perfect. Like, I'm kind of glad that they didn't do that. My One of my favorite lyrics probably off this entire album was, there is something I have learned. It gets much better. It's going to get worse. And I honestly just don't think I've ever heard anyone describe life in a more perfect way. So I thought that was amazing. And then as far as uh, some fun facts, so from songfacts.com to Gabby, to your point, what you were saying about the inspiration, uh, it was inspired by and written after Donald Trump's inauguration, which I had like a whole brain thing where I was like, I could, I have zero memory of this album coming out. And I guess maybe because that whole 
election thing was like so traumatic. Everything was so chaotic. I, it just went completely off my radar. So I had to keep checking dates. I was like, is this even accurate? And then he's quoted as saying, I watched the infamous press conference in the East Room, the one that turned into a screaming match, the fucking WWE one. All that gross ambition for power and control freaked me out. I was like, oh my God, this is what we've become. I can't even remember which one that is. I, I was like, I don't know. I must have blacked out. Sounds at some like point. every single yeah. press conference yeah. <laughs> to me. Yeah, basically. But Kate, you know what? Like you, you had mentioned that it it was a good summary of like what life experience is. Sure. And that was what I kept finding because I kept reading the same things. This this album has a lot of political overtones. Yeah. And it does. There's songs that are definitely overtly political, but I felt like a lot of this album was kind of like the general life experience it wasn't so much like i can see why people would take it politically mm -hmm. but a lot of it had to do with just like general things people go through life like persevering and in the face of adversity and and things like that but there's like one or two songs that i can like identify i'm like yeah that's a political song but overall i felt like it was it, it's like we're getting like serious dave like yeah. contemplative mm -hmm. emotional kind of dave um so yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I agree, yeah. And unless it, like, when I found the facts, unless it pointed out, like, oh, this is about Trump or, or right. whatever, the election, I was like, yeah, but you could read into it a different way, too. Yeah, you definitely can. But Chris, what did you think about this first song overall? Yeah, so, Kay, I guess you were reading my notes because oh. <laughs> um, my, <laughs> my main comments were the intro definitely kind of leads you on, like, oh, no, what is this album going to be? Is this acoustic? Yes. And I think that was kind of the intent because of how big the song turned into, like, you know, you're just hit, like, like boom, out of nowhere after that, like, very vulnerable um, opening from Dave. I did write down, sort of reminiscent of Doll from The Color oh, and the Shape. Oh, so funny. Oh, funny. <laughs> Except that song didn't have, I mean, you know, they introduced, like, light drums and stuff, but it didn't have this. No. By any means, where, like, you almost get the impression Dave sort of sitting in an empty room by himself and then it's like all of a sudden it's like boom and the the london symphony orchestra is behind yeah. him like out of nowhere or something right right i really like the song i thought it was a really good opening song and i mm -hmm. like that it fades into track two so i kind of think of the two as kind of like a you know combined yeah um, but i really like this intro i had to listen to the intro a couple times because i didn't realize the song was so short ah and as I was doing my notes, I had, like, a lot of notes for this song because the second song is a little <laughs> different. Right, right. You were like, But then I had to listen going? to it again, and I was like, oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> I got so too funny. excited. <laughs> um, I really liked it. I, I, I feel like the Foo Fighters have kind of mastered this, like, slow build or, like, a medium build to, like, an epic. Yes moment yes and that's here it's not crazy it's not in like a guitar sh like they're shredding ways but right, right. it's an it's a nice opener i'm like ready to take in the album good all right so all agreed all agreed that's wonderful We're ready. all right track two run okay so run was the first single released june 1st 2017 i really love how this song starts i think the build is progressive and it doesn't take too long to get to where we want to go when i first heard the verse i was confused and i was almost a little concerned 
it kind of turns me off because it leans very into like the weenie beanie white limo territory where he's screaming to a point where like I'm not really sure I understand what he's saying. Right. But I was not at all expecting the beat once everything kicks in. I actually found on YouTube a track where just the drums are playing like it's just that soloed and it has this like Latino flavor to it. I was like what is this rhythm? I couldn't believe it. It was just like amazing but it it works with the heavy guitars and and we have spoken several times about how they always take these two opposing or sounds that shouldn't agree and it just works so i think this is a great example of that i love the pre-chorus and the choruses um i think you kind of need it with the verses which are like a little bit less listener friendly and then from song facts we haven't dived too much into the videos we talk about the videos and stuff but i actually watched the video for this all the way through. And so basically, if you haven't seen it, it's them in prosthetic makeup as old men. And they are playing um, at an old folks home and they ensue a riot. And all these old people start like beating the shit out of the orderlies and everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. It's like kind of crazy. But then I found a quote uh, from Song Facts. And this video began with Taylor saying, we're getting old. What are we going to do about promo photos? We're so ugly now. <laughs> and so Dave said, I was like, let it go. It doesn't really matter. And Taylor said, our next video should be us, 100 years old, thrashing to this song. And I laughed about it and was like, what if we ended up in a senior citizen home? So that's the video came from Taylor worrying about being old and ugly. So, And, it, and it's sort of like um, like Dave can't help himself. Like I, I could see him like laughing at that idea and even the, though this album is very serious and very emotional yes they have to throw in the humor and, right. and the way you get it in is the music video yeah that of makes course. total sense totally totally what did you think about this song chris what were your thoughts yeah i i think of this as sort of like the quintessential foo fighter song in a lot of ways you know you start off with those like single picked notes and you got dave dave solo vocals goes into the bass drum and then um, I felt like I was hearing a lot of In Your Honor, um, that album. I was picking up on a lot of that here. Um, you know, when I go go into the ba-doom, ba-doom, boom, ba-doom, ba-doom, boom, that yeah, just reminded yeah. me so much of that song. I forget what you called it, Kate, but like Dave's infamous like screaming too close to the microphone to the point where it becomes distorted. I don't yes. know what that is, but it's classic Foo Fighters, yeah. at least in I my mind. That, I call that his under oath moment. Oh, his, okay. <laughs> his under oath moment. There you go. But yeah, there. I mean, it's got like all the ha hallmarks of a typical Foo Fighters kind of song. Um, I agree that the verse was okay. It's really the chorus to me that makes the song. Ugh, it's so good. Yeah, and it's definitely one of those like, like crank it up in your car kind of songs. Mm -hmm. And combined with T-Shirt, which like I'm kind of so thinking good. of them as one song because they sure, fade into each other. Yeah. That's like, this is like super solid way to open the album. Um, I don't know if you guys picked up on this or how big of fans you might be of Brand New, but the opening chords on this song are the same as the opening chords on Jesus Christ by Brand New. Oh. Take that back, run it, come back to me later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Writing this down. <laughs> Write that down. Um, I loved it. I thought it was like weirdly like 70s-ish and like okay. garage rock and grunge rock at the same time. I like when the backing vocal or like the harmony vocal is just Dave screaming. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's fucking fun as hell. I really, <laughs> really like that. 
Um, I, I thought this was great. And I, I do consider this and T-shirt the same, like, one yeah. track. They're a I unit. Like they have to, to be separate. together. Yeah, they have to be together. Yeah, they wouldn't have put them not in consecutive order. Right. Okay, we're off to a great start here. We are off to a great start. All right, three, make it right. Make it right. Anyone? Does anyone know or want to guess who is featured on this? Ooh. Who do you think, Chris? Uh, I know, but I'll let Gabby guess. Gabby, who do you think? I do, I'm just following along on Genius because that's uh, what I do the track. Did you just find <laughs> out? Told me. It told me. Okay, so for the listeners, this features Justin Timberlake. What is he playing? So crazy. He's not playing anything. He's doing the ahs in the backing vocals. And I'm trying to listen to it like I'm trying to pick up on Justin Timberlake vocal sounds and yes. I, I can't hear it. Listen, so like, as, he might as, as a, well not be there. I was just gonna say, as a diehard NSYNC fan, he it's so buried, like you don't really yeah, hear he's it. So mixed in. But I do have a funny little tidbit. But before I get into that, um, I really love the intro and the verse to this. It has kind of like a southern rock thing in the riff but it's like super bluesy and ballsy a really deep groove like really into it unfortunately though i feel like this song has no chorus at all i think the part that is the chorus feels like a lead-in it feels like a pre-chorus and then like it just never happened i was so bummed and it left me wanting more but like not in a good way i was hey, like am i am i sharing my notes <laughs> oh, no. here <laughs> Like this is, I mean, we we've been in a band together, I so gonna, I, I guess several, it makes sense. A couple times, I literally yeah. wrote, That's really funny. "Chorus feels like a pre-chorus. Where's the chorus? Where's the chorus? Um, where's the chorus? Like it, it crescendos, like it's building into this like epic chorus. And yes, like, with Foo Fighters, they're capable of doing that. And yeah. it's like you're waiting for that chorus to hit, yes. and it never hits, and you're like, oh, <sighs> that was the chorus. And the first time around, I was like, okay, verse, pre-chorus, second verse, let's go. Here it comes. And then it literally never happened. Yeah, and, and that, like, um, bluesy, old-school guitar lick that yeah. you mentioned, like, I thought that sounded almost, like, Led Zeppelin-y. Yeah. Like, at the, the, the riff itself was kind of Zeppelin-y, uh, which was cool. It's a cool sure. lick, and it's kind of repeated throughout the song, which is cool. Mm -hmm. But I, I could not get... Like, I, I don't like this song, and the reason is, like, there's no chorus. There's nothing to, it doesn't build into anything. Right. It, that totally takes away from the song. I mean, there, I thought the, the you know, the verse had the cool lick. Mm -hmm. um, the bridge has a nice little groove to it. Um, the outro is cool. But there's no chorus. The, the main part is missing. The main part is missing. Um, but... Before I, Gabby, before you go, just my my little Justin note. So apparently Grohl was interviewed and like, Justin, like what's happening here? As I had mentioned, people famous were like coming in, coming out. So Justin happened to be in the studio doing his own stuff around the same time. So it was Justin's last day in the studio. He popped in and he says, can I sing on your record? I don't want to push it, but I just want to be able to tell my friends. So, so he was like, don't even put my name on this. I just want to go home and tell people I was on a Foo Fighters record, which... I was a JC fan. I'm not really a Justin fan, if my NSYNC people are listening. But I do think that's super cute and really cool of him to be like, don't even put my name on here. Like, I just want a fangirl for a minute. I want to do this for me. For me. For me and my friends. Yes. Can I read Can I read this one line that Girl, yeah. girl yeah, said about yeah. that? Go ahead. Because um, I'm, I'm reading this article and it said, Girl went on to explain that the ex-NSYNC crooner sings some la la la's on Make It Right. He nailed it, Grohl said. I'm telling you, this guy's going somewhere. 
This is 2017. So, what a dick. That's hilarious. (laughs) I love it. Uh, I'm also reading here on Genius that they were apparently drinking whiskey in the parking lot together. You know, how could you not, right? I mean, I would. I don't even drink whiskey. But if Dave Grohl's like, do you want to drink in this parking lot? I'd be like, yeah, I love whiskey. Yeah, I mean, I think I would, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like this song. I like the guitar riff. It's a little bluesy and a little funky, but I don't remember anything about it. And that's probably because of everything that you guys said. Because there's no chorus. There's no chorus. There's no It was almost great. It was almost great. It was almost great. I agree. Yeah. (sighs) Bummer. All right, track four, The Sky is a Neighborhood. Okay, The Sky is a Neighborhood. This was the second single, August 23rd, 2017. I still feel like we're in the bluesy, ballsy mode, but it's like a little deeper of a groove. It's a little bit slower. I actually thought of the Black Keys when this started. It kind of put me in that uh, soundscape. I think the chorus, and I don't know why, it, it made me think of Take Me to Church by Hozier. And it's not like the notes exactly, but it's like the vibe and like the the swell of the voice. I understand. Yeah, for right. Sure, and for not sure. a bad way. Not I was trying way. to pick up on what it was that it was reminding me of. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I have. A di- I don't think it was Hozier. I think it's Imagine Dragons. And oh. spoiler alert: I hate this song because I hate Imagine Dragons. Oh no! Hold on. We need to make a public apology at this point to Lizette Lewis, who listens, and she was upset with me. She was like, <laughs> "Girl, you got." She was like, "You gotta stop hating on Imagine Dragons." I also got a complaint at John's Lizette, wedding. I'm sorry. You need to listen to better music. <laughs> I got stop a complaint at John's <laughs> wedding this weekend about um, including Lincoln Park in the butt rock when when we had uh, Tristan on. <laughs> Someone was upset with me, so uh, I can't remember okay, who it was. Fair. Oh, fair. I think it was Mike Chick. Sorry, Mike. So apologies. I think to that's Lizette fair to take Lincoln Park out of butt rock. I did say I they were the fair. best of the four that that I were was, pictured. Like if we're being honest, I was kind of offended by. I Lincoln was going to say Chris is also a okay. Too. Fair. Yeah. Look, we'll take them out of butt rock. However, Lizette, I'm sorry. Imagine so Dragons is terrible. Sorry. I'm so There's sorry. better music out there. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, so I'm sorry. sorry. I'll tell her, Kate. Don't okay. worry. She's your friend. So sorry. I'll tell you, Lizette. Um, sorry. Oh, so we all agree. It kind of sounds it's like bad. something else. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's, I don't know. Okay, wait. The rest of my notes say, it also has elements of that song, Something from Nothing, from Sonic Highways. There was, like, if you play the songs next to each other, they sound like they're related. Okay. Lyrically, this one was very disappointing to me. It felt like nonsense. Um, I have a quote from Dave saying, one night I was lying out looking up at the stars, just imagining all of these stars and places that have life on them as well, and I decided that the sky is a neighborhood. That we need Imagining to, dragons is well, what he said. That we he need to keep our shit together <laughs> in order to survive this universe full of life. Um, I think musically and melodically this is cool. I just think the lyrics are kind of goofy and I was like, I, I can't get behind it. I'm not into it. I literally wrote, I wrote, the only note I have for this song is, okay, what the fuck is this Imagine Dragon shit? Oh, no! Is this going to be so Man, bizarre. Is, Chris, go ahead. You get a cease and desist for Imagine Dragons. Um, um, I didn't pick up on Imagine Dragons, but I do think it's a good call to take me to church. Like, that mm-hmm. is the vibe. I was trying to find out, like, I was trying to figure out what the vibe was of this song, and that's, I think you nailed it. And again, I, I did have in my notes about Black Keys, and you mentioned oh, Black Keys. Chris, what the hell? <laughs> oh my God, you too. <laughs> Same brain. Very strange. Um, yeah, and I, I knew the, the story about Dave looking at the 
Hawaii sky and coming up with this idea that the stars in the universe was the neighborhood. Um, so I wrote, the title is kind of dumb and I was trying to not <laughs> like it. <laughs> because it is. <laughs> it, it is dumb, yeah. I was trying to not like it, I think, because of the title, but the chorus, I really like the chorus. And okay. the song kind of grew on me the more I listened to it. I do remember listening to the song and like it this song it's like when i when i went back and listened i remember hearing it the first time okay which tells you there's at least some kind of hook sure, sure yeah. but i wrote the chorus makes the song very big lots of sh uh, strings backing vocals it's kind of slow and methodical um uh imagine drag no <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um i wrote impossible not to sing along if you know the song yes okay yeah, like i feel like the chorus is like definitely sing along -y. yeah i don't know i i liked it but i i see your point and i i, I do see the imagine dragons reference too i just um yeah i like i like the song single though. one or two this was their second single uh second single and as a general note they only had three singles uh, off this album, which is strange because they usually have they like usually six. They usually have a million. Yeah. Um, not sure I would have picked this as my second. I don't know. I'm honestly, I feel like a song like this comes out of working with a guy like Greg Kirsten, who's making like pop pop radio rock. Yeah. You know, now that you say that, or I'll, I don't know if it's this one though. One of the songs kind of does give the vibes of again and again, which was the song that kind of sparked Dave's interest. I don't think it was this one though, but interesting. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, before we move on to the next one, I need a quick break. I, I'm being wheezy and I need to hit my inhaler. Yes. Yes. Right go ahead. I can't believe we have so many notes aligned with each other. How crazy. I have, uh, do you have references to the Beatles too? Stop. I have Beatles references. Stop. I wrote at, at the beginning of my notes, I wrote, let me scroll up to I wrote, the two bands I keep hearing in my head are the Beatles and the Black Keys. Wow. We're basically the same person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All good over there? Yeah, I'm better. I had to hit my albuterol. I feel yeah. all clear. Okay, good. <laughs> Sorry about that. I no was like problem. trying to cough and I was like, it's not good. All right, track five, la-di-da. All right, so initially I thought we were going somewhere really cool, but there's a weird beat change that happens in uh, the verse that's very confusing to me. Uh, as a music person, I found it to be kind of uncomfortable and weird to get used to, so I can't imagine, like, the, the average listener was like, oh, yeah, this is it. I was trying to look up, like, how to describe what's happening, and in one article it described it as a backward beat. I don't know if that's, like, a technical term, but it was a little, it's, like, a little trippy. I put this as difficult to listen to sonically. To me, it reminded me of Exhausted from the very first album at the very end. It kind of feels like I'm listening through busted headphones, which is like not a fun time for me. And from Song Facts, I found a quote saying that La Dee Da channels Dave Girl's feelings from when he was a lonely teenage punk rock hit in suburban Virginia. He says, quote, it's a portrait of me as a teenager feeling completely alienated and repressed by the conservative environment of the early to mid 80s um okay i don't know i didn't love it i didn't either chris what about you did you like it i thought it was pretty average i think it's interesting because i feel like if dave wasn't the one singing this song you would never know it was a foo fighter song it just mm. doesn't 
come across mm-hmm. as a Foo Fighters song, and Dave's vocals are really the only thing that, that keeps it there. Um, yeah. Lots of tempo changes, so I agree with you, Kate. It's a little bit cumbersome to listen to. Yeah. Especially if you're, like, at all musically inclined. It's something about it just doesn't, like, sit well. Yeah. It's got, it's got, I wrote, it's got the Dave's famous too close to the mic distorted screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, the line that got me, and I had to look, I, I tried not to look up too much because I was trying to go into this just, like, you know, free flow of my yeah. own ideas. But the line that, the, there's a line, Jim Jones painting in a blue bedroom. Yes. And I had to look up what that meant because it was a very interesting line because Jim Jones being the infamous cult yeah. leader from yeah. the late 70s. And I'm like, I'm curious. what the hell is he talking about? Um, and I found out that he's he was relating back to like his teenage years. He wrote, actually, as a teenager, I was obsessed with Charlie Manson and Jim Jones. And I was in a band called Dane Bramage. And I wanted to make a banner to place behind us, so I did a graph drawing of Jim Jones on his white on this white sheet. When I went to take it off the wall, the paint had gone through so far, and for about seven years, I had this huge painting of Jim Jones above my bed. <laughs> that is so creepy. I don't like that at all. <laughs> like I was picturing Jim Jones paint like painting like a verb like jim jones painting yes, like in a him, blue bedroom like, yes. it's jim jones like a painting a painting of jim like jones. A, a noun in a blue bedroom in a blue bedroom as a side it would also be really fun if he met i don't know if you guys know who this is but jim jones the rapper who's a part of Dipset. <laughs> oh <laughs> alternate theory alternate. it would just be really funny if he was like actually no i love Dipset. yeah 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 wrong jim jones uh, <laughs> wrong jim jones you guys but I, I also wrote props for guitar solo. Um, and then, I mean, Gabby, you can give your thoughts, but I want to talk about the end of the song, too, because there's some <laughs> weird yeah, commentary. Yeah, no, go for it. Okay, well, I mean, at the end of the song, there's there's this weird, like, 15 seconds or so where someone is saying, like, too much, too much. Oh. Who, Did you catch I, this? The, like, no. someone's yelling it. No, it's, it's it's like audio that's kept in at the end of the song. Like somebody's like, "Oh, it's too much, it's too much," and then um, again, I was curious, so I started researching what that mm. was, and there it led to a funny discussion I found on Reddit about people theorizing about what was going on there. Oh God! Um, <laughs> <laughs> and what do they um, think? Uh, one person theorized that it's Taylor saying those two bagels are too much, <laughs> like he ate too many bagels. <laughs> Um, someone else was saying it might have to do with Dave's leg injury bothering him during the recording process. Oh, maybe. Oh, uh, maybe. Someone said it's Taylor talking about a saxophone part that he thought was too prominently featured in the song. Someone else oh. said it's Pat, Pat Smear talking about a part that wasn't working. And then the funniest part was, uh, somebody suggested it's Taylor complaining about something and Dave kept it in because he thought it sounded vaguely sexual and thought it was funny. <laughs> Oh, God. I like that one. Probably D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. (laughs) Probably that one. Um, I will say, based on title alone, I wanted to love this song. Mm. Because I feel like I usually like the songs with the weird title. True. And so I was just, like, ready for it. Okay. But everything you guys just said, I thought there were parts, like, instrumental parts, pieces, that I was like, oh, that sounds cool. But it all put together is just very jarring it's not a pleasant listening experience it's rough and i don't know how if 
or how you would play it live. Like it seems super difficult. And uh, just to jump on what Chris said, I did have an extra note. There is a smooth jazz saxophonist, Dave Cause, playing. I don't hear it. I Like that is news to me. I don't hear it either. And I saw the same thing about Dave Cause. Um, and somebody said it's because Taylor was complaining about how prominent it was featured in the it's song. So much. maybe that's the theory. Yeah, he's saying it's too much. It's too so much. So they pulled it down. Yeah, I don't know. I, but it kind of made me think about how on Sonic Highways, on the song with the jazz band from New Orleans, they're credited. And I can't hear them at all. So it's like, why are you having these people come out and do this if we can't hear them? So, but I don't know if that would have saved the song, to be honest. Um I don't either. I don't think sax. I don't think another instrument element would have helped this. Yeah, I don't, yeah we need less. We need less. Yeah. Maybe Taylor was right. Too much. <laughs> too much. Too much. That is what it is. Taylor's yeah. like, this song's too much. Too Take much. it off. Uh, all right. Track six, Dirty Water. All right. So my first note is what the fuck is happening? Uh, I, I don't know how we could go from there to here. Uh, but I did write that my ears were grateful for the change in Sonics. Uh, it's obviously a prettier, more mellow vibe. But I was just like lost, like in terms of what the soundscape of this album was supposed to be. I really do love, though, the heavy instrumental that comes in. It's around two minutes, 45 seconds. I want that song. Like, I want that. I don't want the before and the after. I just want that to be its own thing. Yes completely agree i feel like the first half of the song is just too long the song is five minutes and 20 seconds and i feel like you easily could have shaved off two minutes and it would have been like a nice tight middle song like it would have been good but um i was starting to get lost here i don't know chris what do you think um yeah i see what you're saying uh my first thought was and again i'm trying to not go into the deeper meanings behind the songs i'm trying to figure it out for myself i'm assuming if it's a political um, you know, this is a, supposedly a political album. I'm assuming it has to do with like the Flint, Michigan water situation oh. was my thought, okay. which would make it kind of like one of those overtly political songs. Um, I kind of like the acoustic groove and um, I thought it played well into like, I, I probably do like the second half of the song better. Yeah. It, it sounded more like Foo Fighters, but I did appreciate the, that like, smooth acoustic um groove i don't know if it fit exactly well on the album being track six right. especially after la di da which was kind of all over the place weird I, but i yeah. did like the song um on its own i don't know if it fit as well where it was and i said i i, I was getting the impression of foster the people pumped up kicks because they're talking about this like kind of serious issue and like this like uh, oh. background of like a chill almost happy kind of beat yeah because it's got dark lyrics it's talking about like uh feeling metal in your bones and bleeding yes. dirty water and it's got this kind of dark huh. you know uh vibe to it but the yeah but the groove itself is is pretty chill um but i kind of like the song to be honest i felt like it felt like a weird experiment i didn't understand similar to you kate like why it was at this point in the album but I think it's hard to put any song after a song like La Di Da. Yeah. So maybe no matter what was in this position, we maybe all feel a little bit the same way. Sure. But like it didn't, to me, it didn't get good or listenable until the guitars came in at the two minute mark. Yeah. And at that point I was like, oh, that is actually more, like it was just, it just felt weird. I didn't really understand like what they were trying to do. Yeah. But, and, and to your point though, I don't know where else this would go. 
Like, yeah, you kind of have to stick it in the middle because you can't close or with it. Or you can not put it on the album. Right, you could cut a little. <laughs> you, you always could, an option. This yeah. is this it. is of all the songs on the album. There's at least like three or four you could probably cut before this one. That's there's my a couple, opinion. Yeah, yeah, I mean, true. Lottie Da should have been cut. Oh, before this I would yeah, cut yeah, Lottie Da before this one. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I think I do agree. And, and okay. I remember listening to you guys with uh, when you're talking about for all the cows. Um, oh yeah, and this one kind of like sort of has that like uh, jazzy it does groove a little, a little bit. bit. Um, yes, but I really like that song. I like for all the cows, and it it is kind of like like Abby was saying, sort of like experimental feeling. It's like let's try let's try this out where we have this yeah. groovy yeah. acoustic thing that goes into like what a typical Foo Fighter song would sound like. But I thought like. If you're listening to it on its own, I think the song works. and Maybe by itself, yeah. It could just be like a song with a long intro that gets really cool at the end, but still. You, you, can't, you can't fault it for following um, La Dida, which is like so yeah, I know. Like, yeah. all over the place. It's not his fault. Poor La Dida, ruining everything. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> all right, track seven, Arrows. Okay, Arrows. Uh, my first note was weird, spooky vibes. Uh, there's something about this that made me think of Subterranean from Sonic Highways, how it was like kind of unsettling and eerie. I did write, though, that this doesn't stand out to me lyrically or musically. It kind of just like sounds like what, like if you looked at a, a sound bar of music, it, it would just be like one thick, fat thing. Like there's not a lot of dynamic happening. And there was a lot of speculation online about what the song is about. And I went on loudersound.com and it's, uh, I think it's a quote from Dave saying, one of the beautiful things about lyrics is that you wind up singing those songs for your own reasons. Arrows is actually written about my mother and the struggles of being a woman and a single parent trying to raise two kids as a public school teacher and the struggles I'd watch her go through. I read those lyrics. I think he made that up. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't see the parallel at all. I don't know. It was uh, this wasn't a favorite. There's a line in the song that mentions Queen Gemini, so I just yes. started googling all potential female uh, people around Dave that might be Gemini's oh. to try to figure wow. out who this song was about. Damn, Chris, yeah. you're like worse than me when some <laughs> bitch follows my man on Instagram. Because <laughs> yeah. at first, honestly, my my first thought was like, is this another Courtney Love? kind of situation because it's not yeah. like it's not painting this person to me anyway it wasn't pre painting this person in the most favorable light right so i looked up and courtney loves not a gemini ah is his mom i don't know if his mom is but his wife is so i wondered if oh. it, i wondered if it was about his wife i didn't know that it was explicitly said it was about his mom but that said i agree with you i don't see the lyrics pertaining to his mom <laughs> Or, or even, like, the struggles of a single mother, a woman, like, nothing, I think it's a she and her, but other yeah. than that, like, there's nothing particularly female about, it's very generic, like, a lot of the other parts, so I was kind of surprised. Yeah, I don't see lyrically how this goes there, but, okay. Yeah, what do you think, Gab? What do you think overall? Um, what are my notes for this song? <laughs> a completely forgotten song. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, it's all right, I guess. Uh, it's very cookie cutter Foo, Foo Fighters. Similar to what you were saying, Kate, where you think it would be like one bar of not very dynamic sound. Yeah. I think that if I asked a computer to write a Foo Fighter oh. song, it would write this song. <laughs> wow. It, they would write a, it would write something with a better hook. 
I hope so. But I think structurally, like, it would write something like Also, Kate, it's can mid. I just say the first word you yes. used to describe the song was spooky? My yes. first note, spooky keys. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. <laughs> Listen. Where, when you were when you were getting taking your hit, Gabby, we uh we we mentioned how we're same brain. Yeah, your puffer. <laughs> but I overall, this is like a you know pretty average song. It's not bad. Average, it's not definitely great. average. Yeah, it's in the middle for a reason. Oh, ta da! <laughs> there it is. Um, all right, track eight. Happy ever after zero hour. Uh, I wrote again. My ears are grateful for a change. I feel like we're in this pattern where it's like loud and crazy, soft and pretty, loud and crazy, soft and pretty. This is where I'm hearing Beatles. I'm hearing some Beatles stuff. I have no idea if the song means anything. It kind of feels like a nonsense song. We've said in the past that like, those are not my favorite. And really, I think the only lyric I have pulled so far and maybe throughout the album is from that very first track, T-Shirt. I'm like not impressed with the lyrics on this album at all. It just bothers me. As far as this song I wrote, I don't hate it. I just feel annoyed because instrumentally and melodically, this is a really pretty song. And with the right lyrics, it could have been great. But I just feel like lyrically, it's like a hodgepodge and... It just feels like a waste. I don't know. I was I was getting a little depressed at this point in the in my listening journey. So I saw the lyrics. I saw more purpose to these lyrics. Um, but I will say my first note: Beatles vibe, Blackbird, um, acoustic wow. intro, very pretty. Mm-hmm. I said the vocal line. I I was picking up on similarities to Next Year from There's Nothing Left to Lose. Oh. There's okay. there's certain lines that just reminded me of that song. Because I really tried to analyze the lyrics. I'm really trying to come up with, like, what is the meaning here? What is he going for? I think this kind of falls under that political umbrella because he's talking about, to me anyway, he's talking about presidents who send people to war and, you know, it's, like, you know, not justified. He Mm. said, licking bitter envelopes, blood on your tongue. Where's your Shangri-La now? which I interpreted was like, you know, the people that put all their faith in like certain politicians that have like, you know, some kind of like cult of personality thing. Right, right. Counting down to zero hour, I think of as like doomsday. Uh, There ain't no superheroes now. Makes me think of like, we're on our way to nuclear war and nobody's going to save you. It's like a pretty dark song. So I was picked. It's happy ever after. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's it's definitely a dark song, and I'm picking up on a lot of, like, these, like, doomsday, like, uh. like, like we're heading to doomsday and nobody's going to save you kind of thing. Right. Completely opposite from that. I wrote, acoustic guitar solo is awesome. Jason Mrazzi, but I dig it. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I like Jason Mraz. I love Jason Mraz. I think we all shared a brain for this one because I also wrote... This sounds like it's something off the White Album. Ah, yeah. ta-da! Mm-hmm. Points for everybody. Um, I didn't write very good notes, though. I just wrote, okay, I love it. Oh! <laughs> I, I, wrote, I really like this song. Kind of a beautiful song. I liked it, apparently. <laughs> I remember it, though. I liked it musically and melodically. It's just lyrically. It kind of. But you're, you're looking real deep. And, and hearing your explanation, Chris, I, I want to go back and listen to it again. Because I think you have a lot of good points there. I guess maybe at this point I was just kind of like, I don't really know. I don't. I don't know. I like the superhero line, but after that I was like, I don't really know what's going on here. 
but maybe I need to revisit it. In all the reviews that say like, oh, this is this is Dave going political kind of thing, which I didn't really pick up on too too many times. Uh, this one I think is is like Dave contemplating, um, you know, life and potentially going to like nuclear war and the fallout from mm. that and all that that kind of like dark stuff. Also, something weird I thought about this song was it fades out, which. It's kind mm-hmm. of unusual for a Foo Fighters song. At least I was. That's true. I was trying to think of other Foo Fighters songs that just like faded out. There's not too many, or at least none that I could really think of. Not too many. Is this the one that you said, or maybe it was a different one? Reminded you of next year? Because I think next yes. year's a fade out. Okay. Well, yeah. This was the one that I I was hearing like vocal similarities to next year. So there you go. That could be. Uh, yeah, you're right. Next year f- fades out too. Yeah. But not that many others do. That's a good point. All right. Well, track nine. Sunday Rain. Sunday Rain. This one features Paul McCartney on the drums. I fucking knew it. Ah, how did you know? I fucking knew it because this sounds like she's so heavy. Ah, okay. So it's Paul McCartney on the drums, Taylor Hawkins on vocals. Uh, I wrote Taylor Hawkins is singing. I don't mind it, but I prefer Dave. That's rude, Kate. He's dead. Sorry. I could still have opinions. I'm not saying he's bad. I just prefer Dave. I like the groove, but it does feel like a generic bluesy rock song. I don't think there's anything about this that screams Foo Fighters. Uh, I wrote that I feel like if someone had to make up a classic rock band or a song for a movie, this would be it. Like, it would just be like a generic sound. I feel... Sorry to interrupt you, but like the last album that I told you was a musical. Oh. This song is a bonus track off of the the musical. musical. This is a musical. (laughs) You know, it does have that. It doesn't fit with everything else. It does have that. Theater. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I did put it's an easy listen, uh, but it's not special to me and it feels entirely too long. From Song Facts, Taylor Hawkins also wrote the lyrics to this apparently um he says quote the funny thing is dave wrote the music and had a title for it just a working title so i used it and then i wrote the rest of the song around the words sunday rain it sounds like it to me like (laughs) it's not very you know oh and then as far as paul mccartney uh taylor hawkins told et canada Quote, he hadn't even heard the song. He comes in and Dave picks up an acoustic guitar and shows him real quick. He sat down on his special drum set that his tech set up for him. I sat there with a drumstick conducting. He did it in two takes. And I think this is the first take of Paul McCartney on drums. Yeah, it it kind of so sounds like perfect. it's, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crappy drumming. Um, oh, no. It is, Chris is coming for a... For coming for Paul. It is. A, you be careful. You be respectful. All to right, Sir sorry, Paul. Sir Paul. It's a mediocre drumming. Um, no, but it, it's like very basic drumming, and I didn't know anything about the song going in. I listened to it off the bat. I was like, I'm getting some kind of Beatles vibe again, like maybe Rubber yeah. Soul or something. Uh-huh. So it wasn't until after that I looked it up, and I was like, Oh, Paul McCartney played drums on this track, and then I saw a lot of people <laughs> complaining about the drumming which is funny because it's if you go back and listen <laughs> you might not pick up on it when you first listen but if you go back and listen you can kind of hear the drums are kind of crappy like maybe i'm just oh, used to taylor hawkins i'm gonna listen Dave, again i can't the, wait like fantastic drummers but um like even his fills like they it just like they just feel like offbeat or something um well he's not a drummer chris what yeah but, yeah, also, but he chose the to drum <laughs> 
But also, who the fuck is going to say, Paul, do it again? That's what, like, do it better. Who's to say that's not <laughs> like, what no happened? It's like, how are you going to correct no Sir Paul? Of course not. You, you don't. You're you're lucky that he touched your drum set. Right. right. <laughs> um, I did write, this is extremely long. And I was like, are there any Foo Fighters songs that are six minutes and 11 seconds? Um, there there's are longer. There's, there's a, a lot, actually. It's honestly. Is there a lot? A I know there's a couple, but there's this seems a lot. long for a Foo Fighters song. There's a lot. I would say there's at least five tracks that go over six minutes. I would say ten. Whoa, some feel like it, but some aren't. <laughs> but I don't know. That's a you know. Well, we I think there's a, there's a research. lot on the musical album on the last album. Those are very like long, songs. seven minute mm. long songs. Yes, they're very long. <clears throat> all right so gabby do you love this just because it's sir paul i i mean i all I, my only notes were this is a musical okay. this is another musical <laughs> one it sounds very theatrical and dramatic the lyrics are not good i didn't i did not realize this was not dave singing oh. i was just like oh funny they're doing a beatles impression like i didn't oh <laughs> He's putting on a voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think I it, didn't register that it's a different person. I don't think it, it's super obvious that it's Taylor singing. So I, I kind of get I what you're saying, Gabby. I don't think so. Like, I, it's not super obvious. If he started, like, belting, then I'd yeah. be like, hold up. You would know. Something's wrong. But, like, he wasn't doing anything to, like, non-Dave Groley, I guess, that it was so noticeable to me. Fair. What really stood out was that it sounded just like She's So Heavy. Huh. That I was like, this is insane how much this song sounds like the fucking Beatles. Like, do right. they know? And then they do. What do you think the lyric, don't leave me drowning in your Sunday rain, what do you think that means? Um, I don't think it means much. Because I don't think it means anything I don't think it means all. much. I would imagine uh, I don't know. What do you think it so, means? I don't know. I, I have to think about it. I this. was thinking about it for a while cuz I'm like I don't know what the hell this means. I was thinking of like does it mean cuz you know how some people on Sundays they get like anxieties and and sadness yes. like scaries. is it like the the Sunday scaries? Is it like yes. don't give me your like Sunday scary bullshit like leave me alone? Yeah, maybe. Kind of thing. I don't know. I'm probably reaching here. That was that was the only well, thing I came up with. To me, I mean, it could be. That makes sense. It could be that. And also just like, don't bring me down. Don't, don't bring me like, down. Like, don't, yeah. don't pull me into your, yeah, your, your, negativity, your negativity. Your Don't yeah. let me down. This is just a Beatles cover album. It kind of is. Maybe. <laughs> Obviously. And yeah. Justin Timberlake. And just, and yeah, Justin and NSYNC. Actually, just kidding. <laughs> um, all right. Track 10, The Line. The line. This was the third single, May first, two thousand eighteen. This feels very emo. It, I I was getting like an early two thousands, like like almost screamo thing. I like the our mood. notes are going to be the same. Oh for yeah, this one. nice. Uh, I like the moodiness, but again, the lyrics were really not doing it for me. Uh, this song was only three minutes and thirty eight, but I swear to God, it was a ten minute song. I kept checking for when it was over. I couldn't believe that this was the only normal length song on the album because it felt like it went on forever, not in a good way. And I have a quote from Song Facts. It was described by frontman Dave Grohl as quote a search for hope in this day and age where you feel as if you're fighting for your life with every passing moment and everything is on the line. I felt like I was fighting for my life with every passing moment because the song is just so draggy. Oh, Chris got the thumb down. No good. You don't like it. 
the gap. Three thumbs down. My number one comment. This song is a disaster. It's <laughs> This is the worst song on the album by far, which is crazy because Whoa. it's a single. I could not be- it was a I could not believe it's a third single. It's I, 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 don't, I can say one good thing about this song. It's totally forgettable. I couldn't recite the chorus to you right now if you asked me. I have no idea. It's incredibly forgettable. Nope. Um, it's all over the place. I felt like each part of the song worked, but okay. together it had no flow. Each part felt so isolated, and it was fast and, like, emo and... yeah. It was very underwhelming for like considering it was a single. I ended up reading reviews of the song and a lot of people loved it and a lot of people hated it. So it seems like a very polarizing mm. kind of song. Divisive. Mm. But the reviews I read of people that didn't like it were saying all the same <laughs> things that I thought. Um, <laughs> like some people were saying it was like a quintessential rock song and all this. Um, I-, I felt like it. Who says this is a quint? Who says a quintessential rock song anymore? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you talking about? Pretty sure there's a. I, I'm pretty sure it was on Wikipedia. I don't know what the reviewer, um, who they were associated with, but yeah, no way. Yeah, I, I, it didn't. There's just nothing memorable about it. Um, lyrically, not good. I wrote down some of the not the lyrics. <laughs> Break my bones, I don't care. All I ever wanted was a body to share. Like, what does that mean? Like, what the fuck? I can't wait for my turn. And then I wrote okay. one more, <laughs> one more, Gabby. Um, yes or no, what is truth but a dirty black cloud coming out of the blue? I was wrong, I was right. I'm a blood moon born in the dead of night. Like, no, you're not, Dave. What? <laughs> you're, you're, this is an emo diary entry. Like what is all right, Gabby? Let's is this like go. Dave what do you got? Daughter I only that wrote this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I only have three notes. Okay. One. Kind of Paramore. What? Early in the intro. In the intro. Okay. Okay. Intro is um, kind of yes. Paramore. Yes, okay. yes. 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 And then in parentheses, I wrote, "I think I just miss Haley." Oh. Which I do. Say always. <laughs> Two. I'm so bored with this album. Oh no! <laughs> what okay. I wrote. Uh, this okay. song did and it. And three. Three, in reference to the lyrics that Chris just cited, is this song about vampires? <laughs> this is your third vampire mention so far? Third vampire wow. mention. Maybe they are slowly becoming My Chemical Romance. Something's they might happening. They sing about vampires a lot. All the time. <laughs> that was their thing, was singing about vampires. I'm a Yikes. blood moon born in the dead of night. Like your day. It's Grohl. either about vampires or it's about werewolves. It's one or the other. Oh, werewolves, maybe. He did Have he... you ever seen the What We Do in the Shadows movie? Yes. Love. Of okay. course have you. Yeah. No, I haven't. Oh my god. Oh my I god. love it. You should watch it. It just now like just reading the lyrics and thinking of both of those creatures, <laughs> I'm thinking true. of that movie and it's perfect. It's so good. It's, it's a great movie. It's so good. All right, uh, we're here. We're okay. at the end. Track 11, Concrete and Gold. This features Sean Stockman of Boys to Men. <laughs> Gabby, don't choke. Yeah, Boys to Men. He was in and out of the studio. And Dave was like, you, you're going to be on one of our songs. His vocal apparently is layered like 40 tracks. Like that big vocal chorus thing is all him. It's him over and over. What? Yes. And he did an amazing job. 
But my notes are, I only have three notes for this song. My first note is, what a bummer. My second one is, I'm waiting for the kick-in of a rock block, but it just got more sad. And then my third note is, it feels like it's in slow motion. I feel like this was a terrible closer. I'm so sad. Yeah, let me snaps for let Kate. me piggyback off that because I wrote depressed lumbering tempo. Lumbering. Um, lumbering. Love right? it. That's the word. Though. That's what it is. Um, I thought a little bit. I was picking up on like Pink Floyd, Dark Side of mm -hmm. the Moon kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. The like layered somewhat. harmonies part gave those vibes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I did like the, I, I, I like the lyrics to the chorus. Okay. Um, I, I have an engine made of gold, something so beautiful the world will never know. Our roots are stronger than you know. Up through the concrete we will grow, mm -hmm. was the refrain. And I like those lyrics. Okay. I, I feel like it's like, kind of, like this song I feel like was supposed to maybe, um, maybe it didn't work, but lyrically, I think it kind of encapsulates what the album is about, like the struggle of the human experience, kind of thing. Sure, sure. What else? Oh, I'll. I mean, I, we can go to Gabby, but I want to talk about the end. <laughs> talk about the, yeah. The yelling, the yelling at the end. Yes. Because at the end, Dave yells "fuck you, Daryl." Oh yes. <laughs> you heard this? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And did you pick up? Did you pick up on what that was? No. I feel like I read it quickly in passing. Remind me. I don't remember. <laughs> so. Dar it's he says fuck you uh dave says fuck you daryl at the end of the album um daryl thorpe was the sound engineer and the story is that apparently he was turning up dave's headphones too loud during recording <laughs> and so dave yelled fuck you daryl and they kept it in and then what's even funnier is because i was listening to the album on spotify that's the, it, it went fuck you daryl and then it goes into everlong because i guess everlong is the number one song so it's just like nice. the juxtaposition with the yeah transition that's a was, good flow right there yeah <laughs> um this was boring Ugh. i i agree with the harmonies note that i jumped in and mentioned i had that note um the climax isn't even good whatever point it reaches is not good no um and then it was it just like ended like at a weird like long outro it's like a chord just a chord, yes. like an echo for like 40 seconds. And I, I'm just upset because I can't get that time back. Yeah, it uh, it made me sad. And where is the hope, right? Didn't we talk about how the album, it's like hope the hard times, the good times? The hope is, you end on the hope, Dave. You got to end on the hope. You have to end on the hope. Well, he did say, up through the concrete, we will grow. That's the lyric. I mean, the, the song tempo and everything, and, I, I agree. And, I mean, it did come after the song about vampires, so that that's is That's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, that song was terrible. It was really bad. It, there were a lot of not great songs on this album that I'm having trouble picking my least favorite song. I also had a tough time. I What's did. your favorite song, Kate? Okay. So my favorite was Run. I think it's also because I was the most familiar with it, but it's the most dynamic, most interesting. It's in my head right now, like easily far and away the best. Least favorite, there were a couple to choose from. I went with this one, Concrete and Gold, mainly because it's kind of longer than the other ones I didn't like. So I didn't like it for a longer amount of time, I guess. And I just felt like we needed a good clincher. And like, this is so not it. Like, oof, I was just annoyed. 
And then my underdog was Make It Right. Even though there's no chorus, the the verse is so good that I, I'll listen to it. I like maybe I'll write my own chorus. I don't know. But uh, Make It Right would be my underdog. Maybe you'll make it right. Oh, maybe I'll make it right. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Chris, what about you? Um, best song, I would agree with Kate. It's Run. Mm -hmm. With uh, Least favorite is The Line. And what, oh, Underdog. Um, I really liked Happy Ever After, Zero Hour. Okay. That like almost was my favorite song oh, on wow. the album. But yeah, Run has, it just... It's just Foo Fighters, like, Foo Fighters in a period where we're struggling to, like, get the actual, like, <laughs> the heart and soul of Foo Fighters. And that, that song just, the reason it sticks with you, I think, is because it's what you would expect from Foo Fighters. Right. But we're so late in the game that we're kind of on the downward slope of, of Foo's career. Oh, no. Um, yeah, it's kind of sad, but... Um, Not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> But that's that's why it sticks out. That's why it's so good. And T-shirt and to run, it, excellent opening. Yeah. But and, and the line is definitely the worst song, and I can't believe it's a single. Yeah. That is shocking to me that it was a single. My favorite is going to be Run. I think we're all in agreement. Cool, a hundred percent. My underdog. I'm gonna choose T-shirt because. It goes with Run, and I need them together to be the best they can be. That's fair. Yes, I almost picked T-shirt, but I was like, I already know that I like it. Like, I wanted to, you know, but, but I'm yeah. with you. I was almost there, too. And then, for worst, uh, I'm sorry, Lizette. Gabby's like, there's so many. There's so many. Oh, no, but... Lizette, no, don't listen. <laughs> Fuck the Imagine Dragons song. <laughs> The Sky in the Neighborhood one. is the worst song. No, <laughs> that's not the worst one. It's just to the me, dragons. To me, I just don't like that sonic okay. sphere. Okay. I don't like it. It upsets me. Uh, yeah, overall, didn't love this album. I had I try not to listen to too many like things to influence, but I, I knew going into it that a lot of people at least that I know, didn't love this album. Yeah. It's a downer. It's a downer. But can you blame him? I don't know. If he's writing it about the political landscape of the time, it's a downer. It, it was I a weird time. I think it's also, like, it's an interesting choice to work with a pop producer. This is not a pop band. It was a it was bad choice. choice. I think it I was a bad choice. Bad. I think I think it, it, if we see it as an exercise, like, cool. I, I think, like... There were a lot of white album elements on this album. Okay. Like sonic pieces, like the way they were harmonizing, some drum parts, obviously. There there were just some elements of it. And I don't know if like that all came from Greg or if that all came from the band. Like I don't really know. It can't just be because Paul was in the studio for one day. For one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was like something that I noticed throughout the album that there were little bits of that. Sure. But for as good as the white album is, this one's pretty bad. Yikes. Chris, what do you think? Any closing thoughts as a whole? Where would you place this album in the entire discography? I mean, you've, bottom. you've done nine albums. This one's in Ninth the bottom. Ninth out of nine. It would be pretty low. Um. One by one is, is. One by one would be worse than this one to me. No, I like one. I don't one. think so. What I what I was gonna say actually at some point was I don't like sad Dave. I like angry Dave. Okay. I like funny Dave. I like 
emotional like love Dave but like sad Dave just doesn't do it for me and I feel like one by one is a lot of angry Dave like and not all those songs are great they're not all great but the energy of those songs at least is like I can align with this you know I'm into that album yeah whereas this one is just sad this one was not good this one and was the last one that we did the musical one yes Sonic Highway yeah that one's bad it's kind of, it's low, that but one, not lower I, than this. I like this. I like this one better than Sonic oh. Highways. Sonic Highways, for as much as they were trying to make an album that was connected, it was very disconnected. It was very disconnected. But like, like everything that Dave had said leading up to the point of making Sonic Highways is like, it matters where you make the album. Like that vibe is going to be on. Like you did that with every track, so you have an album that's not connected. That isn't. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I do so think no surprise. more individual tracks from that album are better than more individual tracks on this one. If that makes yes. sense. As a whole, yes. they might not be the best. I agree. But there individually, are some great songs on that album. Yeah. There's not very good songs on this album. Not a ton. And the singles just are out of one. Which are technically one song. Right. Just give us the one. Just just give us the one double song. Give me a single. I'll take it. Right. Yeah. Maybe yeah, you should have slow. really done the hiatus, is what I was thinking. I would say I like it better than Sonic Highways, and I like it better than One by One. Wow. It's probably not higher than You're that. You're a One by One hater. I don't like it. It's not a... It's all right. That's okay. Even Dave said it's... Dave. I think Dave's on record saying it's the worst album he's done. Or he said that for a while. I don't know if that's... He probably the did. <laughs> did he hear Concrete and Gold yet? Yeah, I don't think he did. Uh-oh. I, thought he, I, I wonder if he's ever ranked them. That'd be really interesting to find out, actually. Um, I'm pretty sure I remember him saying There Is Nothing Left to Lose was his favorite yes. album. Yes. Yeah. I, I remember I'm, that. I'm almost positive at one point he said one by one. He was disappointed with it or something like that. It was a weird time for them. So that would make sense to me. Yes. That would make sense. This one's not the worst. It's it's not it's not in the top half of uh, Foo albums. They're sad to say they're on their way down. I don't. I haven't even listened to Medicine at Midnight. That's the next one. Yes, right? I haven't either. I've I read I about it, so I'm one. intrigued, but I really don't know what the takeaway is going to be. Um, mixed mixed things. Well, I'm intrigued about this one because this is the one that went along with the horror movie. Oh, really? Yeah, Medicine at Midnight was the one that went along with Studio Six. Okay. Huh. Okay. So, like, I feel like I'm already a fan. Yeah. The movie was so bad. Because it was good. Yes, yes. <laughs> Love that. All right, cool. Well, Chris, thank you for doing this with us. Yeah, this was fun. Oh, of course. This, this was, was fun. awesome. Thanks for um, having me. I know yeah. that you had Keep It K Fab. Is that over? Are you taking a break or is that. Oh, that's. That's long over. Long over. <laughs> it's long over. It was like a one year, one and a half year experiment. Um, it got too much. I mean, you know, it's the it's the editing. <sighs> it's it's producing the, the you know the video and uh, posting it. It's it's it gets too much. It's we're doing two episodes a week at one point. Oh my oh god, gosh, you're crazy. nuts. Well, is yeah, it, it posted too... somewhere for people like if they wanted to go back and listen, or was it a live only? Sure, thing? you could look. It's still uh, it's still up there. You could look it up on Apple Podcasts. Keep it K-Fabe, K-A-Y-F-A-B-E. Okay, Fabe. Got it. Okay, and that's for our WWE fans, of which I'm sure there oh, are yes, many. For all, the, all the wrestling fans that are listening to this Food yes. Fighters it's season. it's about wrestling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gabby's like, I don't <laughs> Gabby's know. Like, oh. Gabby's disgusted. 
so funny. So funny. <laughs> no, that's great. Like, I love that. <laughs> well, we're, we're about to hit a very niche audience right now. Foo Fighters yeah. and the It'll Be and Great. Wrestling. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, it's probably just you, Chris. I was going to say, there's at least one person that meets all of Perfect. these. It's me. Per- love it. And that's all we need, really. Big thanks to the band Above the Moon for writing and recording our theme song. You can find them on Instagram at Above the Moon Music or on their website, AboveTheMoonMusic.com. If you enjoyed listening, give us a follow or subscribe on your favorite platform. And if you really enjoyed listening, leave us a like, rate us, or review us so more people can find us. You can keep up with news about new episodes on Instagram at Minor Notes Podcast or email us, minornotespodcast at gmail.com. Minor Notes is a finally cool production. Next episode, we'll be discussing the Foo Fighters' 10th studio album, Medicine at Midnight.